You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, this morning, I want to give us all permission for a break, for a rest, a moment that we don't need to consume or be consumed, a space for us to be and not do. Can you accept that invitation? It means for the next 20 minutes or so, not studying for your next exam. It means not posting to your Twitter account, not checking your Instagram. Are you with me on that? Are you with, are you with me? All right. I want it to be a rest. You know, we're actually known on this planet as human beings, not human doings. And yet our lives reflect doing a whole lot more than being. Can we be together this morning at Asbury in Hughes Auditorium? Now, if you feel comfortable, I'm going to ask you just for a moment, for a few moments, to close your eyes, to allow yourself to transition your attention from this exterior world where we sit together, from the chaos, the stimulation, the input. And as you do so, I want you to become aware of the love of the one who created you, the one who sustains you, the one who loves you incredibly as you are right now in this seat in Hughes Auditorium. And maybe, just maybe even more profound than that, become aware that this one who created you, sustains you and loves you, resides within you, is present with you right now. This means you don't have to go anywhere to find this love. It's right here, right now, ready for you to access, waiting, waiting for you to wake up and sense this loving presence. So if you will, let us begin this morning, taking the next 30 seconds, to become awakened to the presence of God dwelling within us, God loving us beyond our imaginations. Let us be still, knowing that God is longing to meet with us this morning. Let us pray silently together. Amen. Amen. You can open your eyes. That's simple, right? It's so simple. It seems so easy. We slow ourselves down. We quiet ourselves. We pause so that we can experience the love of God that's already there. This is the rhythm that scriptures teach us about. If we go back to the very beginning, to Genesis, God begins the Old Testament by working really hard for six days in a row, and then resting on the seventh as an example, as a way of being in this world, a way of recognizing what had occurred and that it was good. Sounds like a bit of a pause or a reflection, a time of appreciation or gratitude for the work that had been completed. And if we get curious 
we might ask ourselves, why is this seventh day a part of the story? I mean, it seems pretty boring, right? A bit understimulating compared to the prior six days of incredible creation. I've yet to see one of your Instagram posts of you taking a nap. It's boring, right? Mundane, like nothing's happening. Why would I want to see that? But yet the seventh day is recorded clearly for us to see that God rested from all the work he had done. Not only that, listen to Genesis 2-3 in its entirety. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. On it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. He created us on day six, yet called the seventh day holy. Did you catch that? The seventh day was holy. Folks, Sabbath rest is holy. God did not just say it, he lived it for us to see. Then moving forward in scriptures, we could jump to Exodus, where God commands, as in commandment number four of the Big Ten Commandments, he commands us to rest. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines the word command as to give someone an order. God has given us an order, a vacation from work, a rest from our busyness. He's ordered us a Sabbath. And then, if we, if God, as if God really wants us to learn something about how to live in this world, Scripture shows us through the example of Jesus, a rhythm of living that involves entry into ministry, teaching, preaching, healing, but then withdrawing into his inner circle of apostles and then even further withdrawing into the presence of the one God, his loving Father. And I wanna pause here for a moment because this is super significant. Picture the crowds around Jesus as he heals the leper or the blind man, the hemorrhaging woman, Lazarus. With the full authority of God, Jesus could have healed all of their, afflic all of their afflictions, the entire crowd, right? He could have done it. However, Jesus did not do that. He chose to retreat while the work was unfinished. He retreated with his closest friends and ultimately with God, his Father. What an example of holy living God gave to us. Personally, I take great comfort in the fact that Jesus did not do it all. Hear this, because it is so important. Jesus did not clear his task list every day. He left some things undone. Some people were not healed of their afflictions, and some who lived in the towns he walked did not hear him teach or preach. Believe me, he didn't meet all the expectations or desires of those around him. Maybe, just maybe, he knew that the rest away from the busyness and the demands of the world rest in the presence of his loving God was more necessary than one more healing, teaching, or sermon. Now, you know this, I'm not a theologian, I'm not a pastor, but it sure looks to me like God thinks it's a pretty good idea 
for us to rest, to be and not just do. God's creation example of Sabbath and calling it holy, God's command for us to rest on the Sabbath, and Jesus' lived example of a rhythm that retreats from the demands of the world into the solitude with the Father are our example of rest. Let me bring this quickly to home for us here at Asbury. Each spring, our office administers a student wellness assessment to the campus. Some of you have taken that, I'm sure. Item number 14 on that assessment asks, well, it makes a statement. It says, I intentionally observe a weekly day of Sabbath rest. And of all of the respondents, what percentage of Asbury students do you believe would say that they do that regularly? I won't let you think too long. I'll tell you, 30%. That means 70% of us are, aren't utilizing the gift of Sabbath that God gives to us. So Asbury, why don't we take the rest God offers even commands us to take. It would be like, let's just say this, I took my keys out and I told you that my brand new 2022 red Ferrari is sitting out in front of Hughes. And I said, no, go ahead, take it for a spin around Wilmore. And you said, no thanks, I'll, I'll pass. And then I said, really? You need to take, it's a great car, you need to take it for a spin. And you said, no, I'm not going to do it. Okay? It would feel a bit foolish. In his book, Falling Upward, A Spirituality for the Two Halves of Life, Father Richard Rohr writes this, and it might help us understand a bit more why we're not taking the rest we're offered. He says this, in the first half of life, we naturally and rightly are pre preoccupied with establishing our identity, climbing, achieving, and performing, but those concerns will not serve us as we grow older and begin to embark on a further journey, one that involves challenges, mistakes, loss of control, broader horizons, and necessary suffering that actually shocks us out of our comfort zone. Eventually, we need to see ourselves in a different and more life-giving way. This message of falling down that is in fact moving upward is the most resisted and counterintuitive of messages in the world's religions, including and most especially Christianity. We are important, right? We're significant. We're, we're going somewhere, right? You're in college. You have a plan. There's no time to rest lest we not make it there. We've got a career coming, an advancement awaiting, a promotion pending, amen? There's no time for a rest. Have you ever noticed when you ask someone how they're doing, how frequent the response to that question is something to the effect of, you know where I'm going with this, right? Something to the effect of, I'm so busy, Things are just crazy this week. I'm so overwhelmed. Is it just me, or have you noticed that as well? Yeah? 
When asked in early December if I would speak in chapel, my first response to that was, no way, I'm too busy. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't say that. But my first response was actually, no way. Uh, I'm a counselor. Uh, I make a living listening, not speaking, and certainly not speaking to a 1,000 people. Uh, but two days later, uh, I said yes to that, and I, I began to get curious uh, about our addiction to busyness, productivity, uh, and the resulting mindlessness that they create. And I started my own informal survey, and I just started asking people this question. What are you afraid would happen if you were to slow down or do less? And I'm going to ask that to you right now. What are you afraid would happen if you were to slow down and do less? And I want you to think an answer for yourself. The responses that people offered were not too surprising, but they led me to a better understanding of why we as Christians are denying ourselves the rest we're offered as a gift and then even commanded to take. The following are some of the most common responses that I heard. I'm afraid I would let others down. It's a common response to slowing down. I'm afraid I would miss out. FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. I wouldn't get tenure, promotion, accepted into graduate school, some version of that. I would not be my best self and might even feel a bit like a failure. I'm afraid I wouldn't be seen or valued. That's deep. And lastly, I would have to feel all the things I don't want to feel. Do you hear that? This is us, <laughs> students, faculty, staff. This is us, afraid to slow down because of these things. These are significant things. I want to, I took these six and distilled them down into two, what I think are two universal human needs that we all experience and have. Those being one, a need for love. We could call it love, affirmation, acceptance. The other need being a need for safety. I want to speak about the love need first. We are trained by the world that we have to earn love from those around us. We learn it in our families. We must perform well to be seen. It's as if our GPA or resume defines who we are. But what if, and I want you to dream for just a second, like what if we could allow the God who resides within us to remind us that we are deeply loved, no matter what we produce or don't produce in this world? What if slowing down, resting, pausing, sabbathing, reflecting, is the way to access the love and the affirmation and the acceptance from the Christ that dwells within us. It's very difficult for us to do that when we're consuming and being consumed, when we're busying ourselves, when we're running away from ourselves. It's as if pausing the mindless busyness and endless entertainment, we can be reminded of who we really are 
who we really are, not who the world says we are, but who God says we are. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I love you. Slow down, child, slow down. This image, this is a, an artist's representation of, of Henry Nouwen, who is a hero of the faith. Uh, for me personally, uh, my wife gave me this uh, painting uh, that I have hung on my desk. I have two computer screens, and Henry Nouwen's face in this quote stand right between the screens, so I never forget. I never forget. And if you don't know Henry Nouwen, he's an academic, uh, he's an author, uh, but after two decades of teaching at places like the University of Notre Dame, Harvard Divinity School, Yale Divinity School, some prestigious places, he gave it up. He gave it up to move downward, and he moved in to live with folks with intellectual and developmental disabilities. He left all of the power, all the speaking engagements, all, the, all that he had to, to go downward and to be intentional in living with those who were less advantaged in life. I want to read this to you, though, because I think Henry Nouwen gets it, all right? And if you can read it, it says, we are not what we do. We're not what we have. We are not what others think of us. You hear that? I mean, we got to absorb that. Coming home is claiming the truth, and this might be the most important part. I am a beloved child of God. We no longer need to beg the world to exist. We no longer need to beg permission from the world to exist because we are created and loved by a God that sustains us. By the standards of our world, Henry Nouwen would be considered a fool. Some of his friends called him that. You're going to leave the Ivy League, the top of the divinity schools, and to go to Canada and disappear from the map. But I'm going to say, Henry Nouwen, you got it. You got it. He didn't need the affirmation of the world to exist. He knew what he wanted to do. He knew that God loved him. And I say we have, the, we have access to all of the love and affirmation and acceptance that we need if we're simply willing to slow down, recognize the presence of God within us, and then spend time with it. Now, that's a bit of a challenge, all right? Because I need to speak to the other piece. That other universal need was for safety, right? And for many of us, life has dealt us difficulty. Life has de dealt us things that are hard and they don't feel good, and we want to run from them. I get that. So when we get still, we begin to feel those things that don't feel so good, and we want to get busy so we don't feel them. Over the Christmas break, I was looking at a Charlie Brown Christmas book uh, with my kids, and I saw this, and it's just great. New psychiatric help from Lucy. Uh, it's worth a nickel in real time, okay? So if you can see this, Charlie Brown's feeling a little down about the Christmas season, and I'll just read that. Charlie Brown felt so depressed, he decided to see his psychiatrist, Lucy. He dropped a nickel in her can and sighed. He says, I just don't understand Christmas. Instead of feeling happy, I feel sort of down. He's feeling a bit depressed. 
Lucy, in all of her infinite wisdom, says, you need to get involved, Lucy exclaimed. She knew how to get her patient into the Christmas spirit. He needed to be a part of the Christmas play, right? Get busy so you don't have to feel. For many of us here today in Hughes, busyness is one of the many ways in which we protect ourselves from feeling loneliness, sadness, guilt, frustration, fear, or anxiety. If we can just move on to the next class, the next activity, the next meeting, the next YouTube video, etc., 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 we'll not have to feel the emotions and the sensations that exist within us. We're busy running away from ourselves, and there's no way to get away from ourselves. We remember being bullied, feeling insecure, the harmful words of an angry parent, the pain and loss of a friendship, the sins of our past. And in an attempt to escape those, those memories, those feelings, those sensations, we busy our lives. When I teach centering prayer or mindfulness, there are always folks who tell me afterwards, Kevin, that was terrible. And I say, really, tell me about that experience. And they tell me about everything that floods them, thoughts and memories, their mind is going back and forth, thinking of all the things that they have undone, feeling things from the past, remembering things that they don't want to remember. So we have a bit of a dilemma, because when we still ourselves, we can access the presence of God, but we also access some of our painful memories or feelings. I believe it is that God that's going to heal us from those painful memories and sensations and feelings if we allow him to do that, if we spend that time with him. Thomas Keating, who is given lots of credit for bringing centering prayer as a contemplative form of prayer back into modern uh, usage, he refers to centering prayer as God's therapy. And as a therapist, I love that, because I believe when we sit simply in the presence of God, we can be healed. So in closing, let me just review three things. Number one, we have been given a gift, the gift of rest. We've been shown how to use it, we've been told to use it, and even commanded to use it. Number two, we don't tend to use the gift we've been given for a variety of reasons, but mostly it seems to me because we're seeking love, affirmation, and acceptance from the people in our lives rather than from our creator and source of all love, acceptance, affirmation, and sometimes we're just simply running away from ourselves. And third, and if you forget everything else I said this morning, just remember this one, number three. When we truly rest in the presence of our loving God, we no longer need affirmation from the world, nor do we need to run from ourselves. We can simply return to being human beings. So Asbury, let me end with this. Will you accept the gift 
of rest that's given to you. The gift to slow the pace down. The gift to rest. The gift of Sabbath. Slow down, child. You no longer need to beg permission from the world to exist. Thank you, Asbury.